Welcome to the Landmark Theatre's Q&A podcast. In this episode, writer-director Andrew Heckler and actors Crystal Fox and Austin Hebert talk about their film Burden with moderator Janelle Riley. This conversation was recorded on the film's opening night at the Landmark in Los Angeles. Good evening, everyone. My name's Janelle Riley. I'm an editor at Variety. Uh, so thrilled to have you here for opening weekend of Burden. Um, at this time, please join me in welcoming some of the uh, artists who made this film possible. Please welcome writer-director Andrew Heckler and stars Austin Hubert and Crystal Fox. Thank you guys so much for being here. Congratulations on a beautiful movie. Um, this film actually won the Audience Award at the Sundance Film Festival two years ago. Um, I know you spent 20 years getting it made. How does it feel to be here in the theater on opening weekend, finally seeing it with an audience? Um, it's pretty surreal, actually. <laughs> I have to say, you know, I, I mean, uh, we started this journey, um, yeah, about 20, 20 something years ago, and. Um, I mean, my life is vastly different than it was back then, and so it's uh, it's pretty amazing to be at, uh, you know here in the theater with an audience watching the movie. I, mean, I would love to start at the beginning, actually, because um, I think most people know you as an actor. Had you always wanted to write and direct? This is your directorial debut. It is. I, I, it's probably not not enough people knew me as an actor. That's <laughs> But uh, you know, first I'd like to thank you all for coming out. Yay. I really appreciate it. And, uh, got a lot of sort of friends and family here tonight, so I appreciate them for coming. Um, yeah, I mean, this is my di directorial debut. I, I uh, we had a theater company back in New York. In fact, Scott is here tonight. He was part of my theater company in New York um, years ago, and and uh, we wrote, we directed, we acted. We were constantly doing everything, and so. It was somewhat of a natural progression, um, you know. When I first I first heard this uh, story in a blurb in a newspaper in 1996, and um, it said, uh, you know, uh, Klansman opens Redneck Shop and KKK Museum in a small southern town, which I just thought was sort of incredible in 1996. And then I put it in my folder of things to get back to, and before I could, I, I read another article in 1997, and it said. Um, Klansman sells Redneck Shop and KKK Museum to Black Baptist Minister. Wow. <laughs> and so I thought to myself, what the heck is going on in this town? And so I, I uh, picked up the phone, I called the Reverend, and um, I said, I'd like to come down here and check it out. And he said, uh, well, it's a free country. And uh, I came down there, and I spent about 10 days in, uh, in the church, you know, and getting to know these people and getting to see who they were and what was going on down there and getting to know the town and, um, you know, once you meet these people, once you meet these wonderful people, you just feel obligated to tell their story. And uh, I figured to myself, you know, honestly, that um, if I'm going to tell a story about a family built on hate and a Klansman, you know, who, who leaves that family, I better get to know the Klan. So I called up the Redneck Shop and I said, um, I'm a white supremacist from Colorado. And I'm driving cross country and <laughs> wow. uh, I'm on my way to Hilton Head. Can I stop by? I've heard so much about the store. <laughs> and they said, sure. And so I came and I spent the whole day with them. And, um, you know, as much as, you know, it was completely a violation of my own personal beliefs and, and everything that I, that I hold sacred, I figured I had to get to know them, you know. Mm -hmm. I had to get to know these guys. And, and, you know, what I always say is, lo and behold, like, you know, I, I 
I took the, the hood off the Klansman, and, and wow, there was a person underneath there. Mm -hmm. So That's probably where your skill as an actor came in, too. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was... Uh, um, it's pretty dicey. I, I spent a lot of time sort of as a Klansman in, in and around Lawrence, South Carolina and, and getting to know the guys and going to places they hung out. And um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was pretty intense. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, I realized that there were people. Um, there are people, they fall in love, they have children, they eat lunch, you know. And, and the only way we can affect change on anybody is by realizing who they are and what they're doing. And so. You know, no one came out of the womb in a robe and, you know, or, or a Nazi outfit. We teach that. And so anything that can be taught can be untaught. You talk about seeing these articles. Sure, I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> seeing these articles a year apart. And it is such a crazy story. It almost has to be true. And I'm, I'm curious for the actors, when did you first hear of the story? I don't know if it was you got the script and you read it. And did you know it was a true story? Well, we knew it once you got the script, mm -hmm. but I didn't know of it before. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's what interested me, um, is to tell somebody else's story, but that it wasn't tr the truth. Uh, I thought it was a, um, an amazing, crazy reality. I was like, that really happened? Wow, and why don't we know about it? Yeah, exactly. There's so many things I see that I'm like, that should be a movie, mm -hmm. and you actually went and did it, so congratulations. <laughs> um, what was sort of your response when you read the script, and, and what attracted you to the project? Okay. Um, I, I just got done doing um, um, a film called Detroit, which uh, was another heavy uh, <laughs> racial piece. And so I, I got the script, and I was like, oh boy. I don't, I don't know if I could jump into it, but it, it, it just reached out to me. So it was just so visceral and had so much heart into it that I was like, let me go try. And so I, I, I literally hopped off the plane and then read for um, uh, Andrew like the day after that I'd got done. And uh, it, it just, I don't know, I just felt like with when I read the role, I was like, I just felt like there's something I could maybe bring to it. Um, and I just knew, I just knew also from maybe do, doing it from the past, I just knew the, the, what this film could do. So it seemed like a good challenge and I want to be a part of it. Were you at all able to meet any of the real life counterparts? Like well, probably the Reverend, I'm guessing. Well, I got to meet the Reverend, which was awesome. Um, but I didn't get to meet his wife, who I played, until yesterday. You're kidding. No, and oh it was wow. wonderful. It was wonderful. I did get to talk to her over the phone, because when I met the Reverend, I saw him from across. <laughs> we were near the baptism scene, and he's with Forrest Whitaker. And, he, and I'm looking at him like, oh my god, there he is. And he was saying, oh my god, there she is. <laughs> and I was so moved by the fact that he came over and told me that his wife let him know who was cast to play her. So I thought that was interesting. So I called, uh, we called her and I spoke to her over the phone. Oh, wow. And she's a lot more reserved than I thought and she's a little shy. Um, but she, to me, she's like an unsung hero behind the man yeah. whose heart is, is huge, huge as it was. But ooh, to hold down her family and forgive me for saying it, but allow that to happen. Um, she was holding a space not only for her husband, but for the possibility and for their family. And how involved um, during the process, obviously, but especially the shoot, were the Reverend and, and Mike Burden, for that matter? So we made a point of meeting everybody. So, um, you know, we, uh, Forrest went up and, and met with the Reverend and the whole congregation and Jan and everybody else and spent some time with them. Uh, I had uh, met Garrett Hedlund and we literally met on, uh, at an airport and I took him to see Mike Burden. Wow. And so we spent two days with Mike. Um, 
And what was amazing is, you know, Mike couldn't have been friendlier. Mike and his wife, his new wife, they couldn't have been uh, more friendly or welcoming or ingratiating to us, and it was eye-opening. Um, and Mike has changed, you yeah. know, completely changed. And uh, and then we took Judy, I, Judy, <laughs> Andrea Riseborough, who who landed, and we took her. I took her to see Judy, uh, and literally Andrea pretty much inhaled Judy and became her. Mm -hmm. It was somewhat miraculous. Um, and there's scenes in the movie where it really doesn't seem like Garrett at all or, or Andrea at all. Well, Andrea never. I mean, it, <laughs> it, Andrea became yeah. Judy, and she yeah. was Judy on the set. And you know, people would say to me, you know, how do you get along? And I said, I get along great with Andrea Riseborough. Judy gives me a lot of problems yeah. on the set, though. Um, but you know, it, was, it was true. And, and yeah. they were involved. I mean, it was a 20-year journey. So along the way, I got a lot of stuff, a lot of gold from from the Reverend, I got a lot of gold from Clarence. Uh, his real name is Clarence Simpson, and the character that Usher plays is loosely based on him. I rode around with that guy forever, getting sort of the grays between the blacks and the whites. You know, um, I never wanted to make a superhero movie with good and evil. I wanted to make a movie about people. Mm -hmm. So it was really important for me to spend that time and, and get to know the little stories that were going on down there and how they viewed race and how they dealt with it on the ground. You know, when he says, you know, I'm here on the ground, that, that comes from those guys telling me that. So it was, it was pretty wild. But, yeah, you know, they, they were involved the whole way. Uh, you have such an amazing cast. I mean, you mentioned mm -hmm. some of them, but, like, every role is, is filled so beautifully. I'm sort of curious what it was like to, to act opposite Garrett when he's, you know, so immersed in a character and, and getting to, you know, play Forrest Whitaker's wife. Well, not Forrest Whitaker's wife, the Reverend's wife. Forrest Whitaker's wife. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you're no, sharing scenes with, with Forrest Absolutely. Whitaker. That's yeah. got to be pretty mm -hmm. amazing. That one. Yeah, I think, I think that um, when you have an actor who's that immersed in that role, it just kind of sets the precedent that you, you're, you, when you do a film like this, you, you have a, a bigger purpose, too. And so I think that it, it just sets the precedent and it, it that you immerse yourself and you have to go all in and it also makes it a bit uh, freeing and safe to like explore whatever you need to explore so um, it it made it it made it um, you were able to, to go to those places because of actors like that yeah and you're doing a no I agree but uh, to piggyback off of what Austin just said um, Andrew made the environment safe the intentionality was set. For most of us, I think once we read the script, why we wanted to be there, we were set on telling a story. Once you meet him and you see where the heart was and that that's what he meant to have happen, he creates a safe space, which you have to have to build on hate and love relationships. Hard to do, but if you come in knowing we see the value and the importance of this story, plus it was somebody's life, mm -hmm. not made up. You can, not comfortably, you can do your work. Was it a difficult shoot? Because, I mean, just looking at the logistics, it's a period piece, you have a pretty large ensemble cast, it's an independent movie, so I'm guessing you're working on a budget and probably limited shooting days, um, plus you're dealing with obviously some heavy material. Were, was, were you able to have levity on the set or was, was it pretty tough? <laughs> <laughs> we, we had a hell of a good time making a really tough movie. Good. Um, I, I have to say that um, 
you know, what, what these guys are saying, when you shoot an independent movie, you don't shoot it in order. And so we had Forrest Whitaker for three weeks and we had, you know, Tom Wilkinson for three weeks. And that's all we got from them. So the first two weeks was mostly the African-American scenes. The last two weeks were the Klan scenes. And then there was the crossover week at the Redneck Shop and everywhere else. And, and it, was, it was wild what happened because these guys came to the set uh, and and they, fa they they created this family out of love, and they just laughed and joked and had a great time, and they created the the bond. And, and Dexter, who plays the Reverend's son, was amazing, and and it was just like watching this family. I sort of got out of the way and let them improv and had a good time, and um, and then the clan guys showed up, <laughs> and and they equally had a good time, except it was such a different kind of humor and a really different kind of laughter and they were all like teasing each other and like was just biting and I was like wow these they're just living these parts and I just had to get out of the way pretty yeah. much you know um, I do tell this story a little bit that you know it took so long to get there <laughs> that um, the, the, <laughs> the day before I left for the movie my wife who's also here tonight um, she looked at me and she said, look, you cannot control what's going to happen with this thing. And you cannot control if it's going to turn out good or bad, and you, if the movie's going to be whatever. But what you can control is you've been waiting your whole life to do this movie. So go have fun. Enjoy the experience of making the film. Have fun making the movie. And that's what she said to me as she kissed me and said goodbye. And yes, that's my, that's, that's my wife. Um, and and. So the last night, Forrest Whitaker's leaving the set, and, and Forrest is always in character, so he's carrying this heaviness with it all the time. And so I said, look, you're, you're leaving, you know, Reverend, because we call him Rev. Um, would you like to have dinner, and I'll cook, I'll make you dinner tonight, you know, it'd be great. He goes, sure. Oh, he said, let me see, let me see, what, let me see. So I go, and, and about half an hour before he's supposed to show up, I haven't heard from anything, so I wasn't even home yet. And I get a call from his assistant, and he says, Forrest uh, would love to have dinner with you at your uh, room tonight. Uh, he's a vegan, so uh, he'll be there in 25 minutes. Oh, God. <laughs> I was driving home. So I went to the supermarket, and I'm trying to gather any sort of tofu, or I don't even know it. Like, I didn't know anything about it at all. And I cooked him what I could. And we're sitting there, and now he comes in. He's totally Forrest Whitaker. He's young, he's levity, you know, he's light, and, yeah. and we have a great dinner and, and back and forth. I told him that story about my wife. He looked and he goes, You sure had fun on this set. He goes, I don't think I've ever seen any director have as much fun as you did. Really? And uh, we had a really good time making, you know, making a really tough movie. We had, you know, Garrett, for, for all of like the heaviness of the role, I mean, you just had to watch your back because the guy was constantly taking, you know, taking the piss out of you or doing pranks yeah. on you or something. <laughs> and, you know, um, we shot the movie. I shot the movie barefoot. Uh, that was another thing. We danced a lot. You know, we had a lot of jokes and a lot of levity going on in the middle of this really tough movie. In fact, I'll tell this quick story and then I'll shut up. Um, but the kids, kids are a wild card, and right. you never know what you're going to get with them. So. You just have to make sure they're having a good time and enjoying themselves. So every day on the set, I would tell the two kids, the two boys, I'd say, here's the deal. You do your work today, you do your job, and you get a treat, and then you get to make me do something. <laughs> and so they loved that idea. You know, and they would get an ice cream every day at the end of the movie, uh, at the end of the set. But like on day one, they were like, okay, you know what we're going to do? Andrew, you've got to run through the sprinklers. <laughs> so I ran through the sprinklers. <laughs> and... And then I had to climb trees, and then I had to get in that 
that lake at the baptism. And then I had, I mean, the, I did all sorts of things with them. But again, that just provided a set that was fun and, and in the middle of shooting these scenes that were incredibly tough, mm -hmm. we had a good time. Uh, I'm curious if you guys have worked with so many different directors and directors have their own style, but do you think having a director with an acting background helped? Was there a certain sort of empathy maybe in uh, helping you with these performances? I think so. I mean, well, he understands actors, but the thing that I love about Andrew is, first of all, that he was passionate about telling this story, which is not easy and is heavy, but his heart is so light. I came to meet him on the day that he was running through the sprinklers. <laughs> and um, Robbie, the producer, the two of them were like brothers and sisters. So I come to the set, they're like, hi, welcome, excuse me for a minute. Does anybody know where he is? He's in there, he's, he's, but can he get on some shoes? I mean, he's insured, so they're worried about him. <laughs> Jumping through the sprinklers, barefoot, sure. and all of this. And then he comes over and, and meet, meets me. I loved his childlike heart. But that childlike heart, this was the story he wanted to tell. And I thought the two together, how amazing. Yeah, I felt like, I felt like he, sorry, you can clap at that. I'm gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like when you walked in, the, he, he sets up, because he's an actor, he set up that relationship with us as a cast. Because he knew that was, if you didn't have that, you were going to die. Like you needed that um, to do this film. And you could just tell that he really, really cared about each and every character um, with his heart. So you could really feel safe and um, feel that from him. And, and that he had such insight about the characters when he came in. So it felt like a, a collaborative process in that. And that was really special. I want to add something. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I just got one class. Right. <laughs> Forgive me, because I'm not correcting what he's saying, but me as an actor, I have a tendency, when I do something that's heavy or weighted, the, I, I, I live at Six Flags in my head, so I like joy <laughs> and I like fun. But when I choose something and it has, has an intensity to it, it feels like, for those of you who don't know what acting is and what it takes for us to do what we do, we had a good time, but there was not, when we say fun, we don't mean like fun that discounted what we had to do. Mm -hmm. We had to have a way to release that. Nobody can sit in the weight of what we had to create every single day. When you did the scenes you had to do, you had to put it somewhere so that we know I'm not that person, you're not that person. But that was established again by how he created the space. Once we knew what we were doing, you're free to trust each other, to do the hard stuff, and you're also free when we had those breaks to remember who you were with each other. I'd even go further than that and say that it wasn't fun sometimes as it was love. Yeah. Like we had to really love each other mm -hmm. through those processes because that, that's what enabled us to go to those places. Yeah. Well, I imagine every movie changes you in some way, but it sounds like this was really a passion project for a lot of people mm -hmm. involved. And it, it probably changed you as a person as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I went to therapy. Um, no. And uh, I, 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 it's such an immersive project that I feel like, I guess I'll just say like one of the things that I, I took out of it because my story is kind of similar to Andrew's in that I knew nothing about the clan, so I went there early to try to get as much as I could and talk to the Reverend and Judy about 
how they saw the clan. But I feel like, um, I just feel like the biggest thing I got out of the project was how easy it is for hate to give you an identity. And once you have that as an identity, um, how empowering that can be and dangerous that can be. Mm-hmm. So once I saw that, the effect that that could have, I mean, it, it definitely changes you. Uh, I want to take a couple questions from the audience. If you have one, just raise your hand. Sure, go ahead. <laughs> oh, the website that's shown at the end of the movie, if you want to talk about that. It's uh, rehabhate.com. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about, uh, you can go there and... and yeah, so I mean, basically, uh, really simply, uh, I, I really felt indebted to do something for the people of, of Lawrence, South Carolina, the church, the reverend, and, and what they had been through. So we thought of an idea that now that they con- uh, had control of the space, to take the space and convert it into uh, a center of tolerance, diversity, and love. Um, which I thought was really ironic. I thought it was sort of a jokey kind of irony, but it is, and, and it is an amazing irony that the studio got behind the project. Now we have a website where you can donate to the project. All the proceeds from the South Carolina, where, where, where um, the opening film of the Charleston Film Festival, all the proceeds from that are going to rehab the shop. And, um, and we're, we've got spons- corporate sponsors like Lowe's, and, and so everybody's chipping in now to, um, to rehab that shop, that, that clan museum now into a, a museum of tolerance. Wow, that's great. Sure. Right here. Andrew, I'm, I'm so proud of you, bro. I, I, I thought the movie was incredible. And uh, stories like this have the, they have the capacity to transform culture. And so I'm just curious, um, has, did the making of this and the way it's come out, has it shaped your, like your bandwidth for what you want to do in the future? future? Just for those who couldn't hear it, has this shaped tell the stories you want to tell in the future, I guess? It's sh- it shaped the time frame that I want to tell the stories in the yeah. future. <laughs> I, I want to tell them much, much shorter. Um, <laughs> Than 20 years. <laughs> no, but the, the truth is, is that, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the process of this movie, getting to know these people, and, and you know, we, we told much lighter stuff. Scott's part of my theater company. This was a planted question. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but um, we, t- we, we had much lighter things on our mind back then. And uh, and I grabbed the story and then just kept running with it. And now, like, you know, the, the next project I want to do is I, I also went down to West Virginia, Kentucky. I spent a lot of time with uh, people that have been the victims of the, the real victims of the opioid crisis. And um, I read another uh, really tough movie that, that I, I say it makes burden look like a romantic comedy. Um, <laughs> And so it's uh, it's brutal, but you know these are the kind of stories that I think that that need to be told. I, I was in Africa. I, I thought the movie business got silly for me. I quit. So that's the truth. And I went and did a couple of things. And once uh, one time I was in Africa in a refugee camp, and I saw that they had movie theaters and that they'd yeah. set up little movie theaters in the refugee camp, and they're all American movies, and they were all wearing Amer- American outfits and American culture and American sports. And I thought the movie business isn't silly. It's what we're exporting to the world. So we should take it more seriously than we do sometimes. And, um, and, and that's the kind of stories that I want to tell. So are you up for directing again soon? Uh, yeah. All right. 
I saw one. Sure, we'll go right, right there. Right there. Oh, I never get caught. <laughs> <laughs> it's your lucky day. Yeah, I see. Uh, I, I have more of a comment. I'm sorry, but I don't know him, so this isn't planned. But um, I heard about the film, and when I, when I first learned that the director would be a white male, I was a tad bit skeptical. Um, but looking at the film, I can, I can definitely concur that you being a thespian, I'm also a former thespian turned producer. So I can totally see how empathy played a big part in this because the people, I'm from a Lawrence, uh, a, a type of Lawrence a city. They're, they're all across the country, but I can totally see the realness of it, I could feel it and touch it. It's 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 there, and I think you captured both communities really well. So I just want to commend you on that. Um, I'm, I'm you made a believer out of me, and I can definitely see how you being in theater definitely played. So because that means we know again we know we know people we we invest in in uh, character, and I think you just you nailed it. Well, thank you. I, 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 you know, I appreciate that because it's, it's a real issue. It's a real issue right now. I am a white, middle-aged male film director, and I am, I'm being judged on that. I don't see color when I write my characters. And so I try to be very you know, objective about and empathize with both sides. I will say that I've gotten this question a lot, and I'm glad that you're here because I'm going to ask you the question. I've gotten the question a lot, which is, how can you understand the Southern black experience being who you are. And I can only understand the story that I'm trying to tell and the people. And my answer is this, I can't understand the Southern black experience. It's impossible for me to do that. So I hired actors who could, and I trusted them with this story to step in their shoes. And, and I think that what we got here you know, when you label this movie, I think you're making a mistake because I think what we got here is a real movie, you know, about people. And so I asked Crystal, you know, I leaned on you to, to provide my Southern black experience and Forrest and Usher, you know, and, and Devin and all the people that, that and Dexter to play, who played those roles, you know, to bring an understanding that I don't have to my, to my own material. But you could only buy it as the truth if what was what you were moved by when you went and lived with those people, you felt from us. If it, it, we'd still have missed your story, if you didn't feel, if we hadn't recreated what you felt, so you know. What had you um, been interested in directing things over the years? Was it something about this story that spoke so strongly to you that this had to be the one, or had you never really thought about directing for film? No, I mean you know I. I there was a certain point as an actor, and I'll, I'll be brief with this one, certain point as an actor, I think that sometimes you sit on a set and you go, ah, I know how to do that. <laughs> or, or why aren't you doing it that way? Or this is so easy, why aren't you figuring it out? You know, and, and that becomes frustrating as an actor and you realize, okay, I need to step in a different direction. Um, and sometimes you read scripts and you just sort of go like, well, that's ridiculous, or I don't like that, or why, you know, obviously you haven't gotten out of your Hollywood you know, studio and you wrote something, why don't you do something more interesting? And, it's the frustration that sort of drives you into another area, I think. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I'm glad that you were frustrated, I guess. <laughs> um, I want to remind everyone this movie is in theaters now, so please spread the word, let everyone know. Um, visit the website, Rehab Hate. Thank you guys so much for being here. Can I ask yes, another question? I would like to ask you all something. This night, has I've been waiting for it, because there's one thing to see it at a screening in, uh, in um, <laughs> Sundance. It's another to watch it with people who are part of making it. I have been curious to know what did it feel like? Because last night when we saw it, I got to see it in a, a room full of people that were there to support us. However, it was the first time I was in a room full of mixed races, ages, and everything. And I felt the sense of uncomfortability for all of us at varying times. So I'm curious to know what you feel like tonight. If anybody can tell me or would like to share it, I'm, I would like to know. Please, where are you? Um, I'm in the back. Okay. Oh, hi. <laughs> I see you. Like Detroit and Fruitvale Station and all those movies, I don't watch because they're very triggering. And I didn't actually expect this one to be as triggering as it was. But I really love this. I did not know about Michael Burden and any of the things that were going on. And actually, the thing that tripped me out at the very end was when they said it was in 1996. Yeah. I was like, what? Wow. <laughs> Um, but the very beginning, like a lot of the clan stuff was really hard to see. When they um, peed on that young lady, that was really hard to see. Um, and I lived in Alabama for 13 years. So I didn't experience anything directly because I lived in Huntsville, which is like a very big like uh, engineering town. But it was, like I said, it was triggering, but I really liked at the end. Um, I feel like it had a, a good movement to make it to the end. Um, I'm hoping that more people see it um, because, like, for me, I know that, like, movies like Detroit and Fruitvale Station and all those movies are great movies, but it's very hard to watch them um, as a black human being who has to still deal with this in 2020. Do we have a movie coming in here? Should we move this to the bar, or? I assume that there's a movie in this theater. Maybe not. Oh, okay. Um, but maybe we can take this to the bar if I you guys don't thank mind. Thank you, because yes. I love knowing. Yes. Would, would you like... I think we gotta. I think we, we gotta, gotta get out of here. But please join us. Thank you guys so Thanks. much. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Landmark Theaters Q and A podcast. If you want to hear more conversations with filmmakers about the latest independent, foreign, and documentary films opening at Landmark Theaters, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or visit our podcast website at landmarktheaters.podbean.com. You can also check out our YouTube channel for videos of Q&As and other exclusive content. See you next time.